Activist theology is built on the power of story, and we believe story can change the world. We also know that being in community with one another on this journey will help to build a movement committed to collective liberation and a more loving world. We have a commitment to the ethics and politics of Encajunto, or togetherness, and we are together in this work with you. Hi, folks. This is Dr. Robin. Hi, y'all. This is Reverend Anna Galladay, and we are your hosts for the Activist Theology Podcast. It's time for us to get our hands dirty. We're ready. Are you? Pastor. Dr. Robin. Here we find ourselves on another Monday. Another Monday. Very good. Except this Monday, it's hot and humid. It is. It is. It is. Um, it's more humid here than it has been. Um, there were tornadoes that went through Atlanta a few hours ago. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, the world is burning. Yep. <laughs> it's 81 degrees here in like 2000% humidity. 2000. Yeah. You know, that's not possible, right? You never know. <laughs> this is why you're a theologian and not a scientist. <laughs> right, right. But we love science. We do love science. And I'm not a scientist either. But I also um, think that 2000% humidity is not possible. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. In this new fucked up world we live in. Who knows? We could ask uh, Bill Nye, the science guy. We could ask Science Mike, too, if we wanted to. Uh, oh, yeah. Science Mike. Yeah. 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 But For I'm sure someone day. could help us. Yeah. A different day. <laughs> We're going to still go with 2,000% humidity. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here for it. The point is, it's hot and humid. You're sweating. Yeah. The point is, yeah. the yeah. point is, it's now the time in the year where we must shower, <laughs> we must mm-hmm. wear our deodorant, and there are no exceptions. Pandemic winter is over. <laughs> yep. It's that time of year that I'm like, is my natural deodorant going to work? Mm. Yeah, I know so many of us have moved on from uh, using, you know, deodorant that has um, chemicals and aluminum in it. And um, so I actually, I used uh, one kind of natural deodorant and made it about halfway through my first summer and said, I need to pick another. (laughs) I need to to dry another because I was at the Wild Goose Festival and... Mm. Realized mm. that, um, mm. yeah, I know where this is going. Mm. <laughs> Just realized that um, raising my arms was not anything I could do in in, in company. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, how did we get here? Good God, where we just started and here we are yeah. already. This is not an advertisement for Schmitz, but I use Schmitz. Yeah, and um, I use the patchouli and hops, and it works perfect. It's for sensitive skin. Because you're so sensitive. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it works. So we'll see how it works when I am in 100 degree weather in California. Good. Yeah. California. That's like tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. We're going to get to that soon. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, there's a lot happening in the world. Yeah. Yeah. 
we are, um, you know, trying to make it through, uh, you know, more political theater. Um, the CDC has softened mm-hmm. its guidelines on mask wearing, which will be an interesting study, I think, in human um, psychology. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because, uh, you know, I mean, we we live in the, the south east and uh, we already are surrounded by humans who don't believe that masks are doing anyone any favors. And so. Right. And I know that there were many others who were very belligerently wearing them. Um, a little out of spite, a little out of uh, guilt. Right. And so I um, I am just, I'm going to err on the side of grace because I'm a good pastor. And I'm going to assume that those who aren't wearing masks are vaccinated. You think that's going to work for me? Well, I was trained in academia to never make assumptions <laughs> and always to make your claims. So Grace. I- Nice. <laughs> so I think that's fine if that's how you want to um, mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my so we were out on Saturday um, for Derby Day, and you know it was a beautiful day here in the upper sixties, low seventies, mm-hmm. and everyone was out. They had the tractors out they had the big military vehicles out everything was out mm-hmm. and i hope these people were vaccinated but i don't know i don't know if they were yeah it's it's really um i mean i'm i'm watching i or i'm 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 positioned for another spike here in the U.S. I think that Mm -hmm. it's inevitable that those that have decided not to get vaccinated are um, more likely to contract the virus now that many of us, you know, even those that are vaccinated are not wearing our masks. Right. um, Went outside. I mean, I'm still wearing Uh my mask 100% if I'm anywhere indoors or anywhere around anyone that isn't vaccinated. Um. But what is happening in India right now mm. is just heartbreakingly sad and um, really, really illustrates the need for kind of a systemic plan of action around vaccines for the entirety of the world. Um you know, poverty should not be the factor that allows people in mass to die from this disease. Right. And I, I know that there are some plans for the United States and, and other countries to step up and, and intervene. But um, it, it just speaks once again to our global ethic of care and how this kind of me first mentality is really continuing to consume us. And um, am I grateful that me and my family and those I love have been vaccinated? Yes. Do I wish that there had been a more concerted effort to um, balance vaccines worldwide so that we had the capacity to not have what happened in India happen? Yes. And so it's a very 
you know, difficult space to sit in, but I'm, I'm just, it, it, the reports coming out of there are just heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. It's a mixed bag. It, you know, the, the thing that I worry about is, I mean, we can't get our shit together in this country. And also our global relations are significantly strained because of the past four years. And, you know, I'm of the opinion that, you know, I stayed home for a year and a half and pivoted everything online to love my neighbor. And now my neighbors in India, many of whom are stricken with a great amount of poverty, um, have no access to anything. Right. And, you know, the question I have is, why, why did we create two vaccines that required the kind of refrigeration? Why, why didn't we produce vaccines that could be more easily transported? You know, why, why, when, let me ask, let me ask it this way. When will we begin to think of other things other than ourselves? Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Europe's rollout has been highly problematic. They, um, you know, for everything that we have gone through in the last six months, as vaccines have been coming online, the end of 45's administration, the beginning of the Biden administration, kind of, you know, watching the transition happen and the ramp up of vaccine um, initiative be rolled out. I mean, Europe had the same kinds of opportunity to do the same thing and and chose not to. Right. And in many instances, simply because of proximity, India is um, is losing because of Europe's inability to get their shit together. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it just it it it, it creates this um, this myth of care for neighbor mm-hmm. that the United States continues to you know, to propagate when, um, you know, we, we have, we have a president who is, you know, touting our, our exit from a 20 year war, but we can't care for those who are dying from this pandemic in, you know, several countries over. I mean, there's, there's just, there's just a, a real gap for me in, 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 the ethics of care and in our priorities. Mm-hmm. And I mean, does it surprise me? No, but it still makes me complain and it still makes yeah. me horribly, horribly sad. Yeah. yeah. So, well, so some exciting things are happening in your world this month. Um, you are, uh, you have almost started your sabbatical. Um, your, your exit or your away message is already turned on on your email. So mm-hmm. um, you are, you are departed in some ways, um, even if not physically yet, but you are taking a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. And why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Well, so let me just say that when I turned on the away message on April 25th, on Sunday, April 25th, that is in my mind when I started sabbatical and just sort of let things taper down and and off 
I had to run a few errands today um, to drop off some things to my accountant so that, you know, she can do my taxes. Um, but yeah, I, I think over the past, you know, eight to 10 years have been thinking about how, uh, what does sustainability look like and how do we actually do this work and be in love with the work when the work demands you to be on 24-7. A colleague who, from my chaplain days, asked me a couple weeks ago, are you still in love with your work? And I could say, yes, I am. And I'm also taking a, a, a Sabbath, and I also take a siesta every day. You know, And, and I, I really want to have an honest conversation around the political nature of rest and unplugging and putting a bookmark in things and hitting pause. And I know that you and I are wired very differently around this. And we've we've been in environments that, um, well, we've both been environments that require production. Yes. And a mindset of always be producing something me writing and you product Mm -hmm. and ideas and maybe art and image Mm -hmm. and whatnot um but i i really um a couple years ago i took a six-month sabbatical i mean i didn't take on anything new everything that was on the calendar i stayed on the calendar stayed on the calendar but but i took a six-month sabbatical and and it was actually the time in which ATP was born. Um, and I'm taking a month sabbatical this time around. Um, nothing is on the calendar. I'm doing one event in Santa Barbara for a friend who's been trying to get me out there. And it just happens to be like proximity wise, you know, it's, it's decent. Um, but, you know, we don't know how to relax or rest in this late stage capitalist culture. I mean, even the turn of the year was business as usual. People forgot that we were living in a global pandemic, a global health pandemic. And so, yeah, I'm going to put a bookmark in things. I'm still going to record every week because it's a passion of mine and it brings me joy. Um, I've got a, I've got a suitcase packed full of books on writing that I'm going to enjoy. And I'm going to just let myself kind of marinate in the now instead of always be chasing after the next best thing. That sounds great. I, I, I say it sarcastically, but it really does. I, it sounds wonderful. I also know that it is um, exactly what you need. And it brings me great joy that you are able to kind of sink into this time and, and really carve out some space to, um, to dream and to rest and to, you know, um, just, you know, kind of regenerate and rejuvenate. Um, you're right. We, we, we come at the work 
um, from, from very different vantage points. And, um, you know, it's no surprise to you that this concept of rest and of, um, I, I wouldn't, I, I was going to say this concept of rest and self-care, but I, I'm not going to say self-care because I actually have gotten much better at that. But, but this concept of rest and, and kind of an intentionality around rest is, is a challenge for me mm-hmm. for, for a multitude of reasons. I am, you know, I was socialized for the first 20 years of my life to um, understand that um, rest means no productivity. Mm-hmm. No productivity means no money, mm-hmm. no um no accomplishment um, and no money and no accomplishment um, produce the fear of scarcity. Mm-hmm. And, and so it has taken me, you know, the, the second half of those, those, the tw- another 20 years to kind of disentangle myself from that and really rid myself from the, the fear around scarcity. And I, and I, and I, have done a great deal of work around that and really do um i am mindful of um my capacity to say no i am mindful of my ability to um you know to really be intentional about um what i take on and what i can manage there were years where i said yes to everything and it burnt me out 15 ways to sunday mm-hmm. but i still am someone who while I enjoy rest, um, I am bored with it. Mm. I am, I don't find joy in it. Mm. <laughs> I am not, I am not, I don't covet it in a way that I look forward to it making me, you know, feel better or, or, or bringing me a spark of, of joy to my, to my life. I rest and, and actually COVID has been really good for me from a standpoint of, um, getting and maintaining a consistency around my sleep schedule, Mm. um, that I, that I didn't have for many, many years, especially when I was traveling as much as I was for uh, my, my corporate job, um, I have a routine and, and have really maintained a routine over the last 14 months that is um, that has provided me with a, a basis for rest and a basis for um, or, or just kind of a consistency of schedule that has been good for my body and has been good for my brain. And yet at the same time, I don't like to nap. I, mm. I, um, I am, I am hard pressed to relax, um, without stimulation and that stimulation. And, you know, for many, in many ways, you know, is if I'm going to, you know, go on a vacation, I'm going to go on a vacation where there's a lot of, a lot of things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not gonna, I am likely not going to schedule a vacation where like sitting on the beach and reading for seven days mm. is the, is the, the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, and, and that's just me. That's, that's mm-hmm. who I am, but it, it is. Um, I also recognize that 
there are still tentacles of this white supremacist ideology that tug me um, in feelings of guilt, in feelings of um, wondering if I say no to something, what that will mean for the next several months of my capacity to pay my bills. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, you know, there are still pieces of that, that, uh, that, that, that grab me and that, that cling to me and that hold me back. Um, But I am, yeah, I see, I see when rest is a possibility for me or when rest is available to me. um, I don't want to rest because it bores me. It, it's not, it's not exciting. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I think my fear is that we have, we have busied ourselves too much that we sure. actually don't know how to be with ourselves and we sure. don't know who we are anymore. And um, taking time to do some visioning, to see what is there, see what still fits is important work. Um, And I'm actually trying to figure out how can I take a sabbatical in May or June and then in December. Usually I try to take the whole month of December off to sort of close out the year, to begin the new year. Um, This year I only got to take two weeks off uh, because of the demand on my time. But I want to get into a habit where you know, I'm, I'm taking time off mid-year and at the end of the year. And I actually think it's helpful um, for my brain, soul, and body to, to not have to, you know, figure out something, not have to strategize just to be and to let to le- just to let myself be. And that's really what this month is about is about reconnecting with myself. I, you know, one of my goals is to get moving and get walking and try to get 10,000 steps a day. And, you know, right now I don't, I, you know, my schedule is so jam packed with everything. You know, I'm often going back to back that I have no time to move. I have no time to really get into my body to, um, to, to, to do the things that I need to do for my health. And, um, yeah, I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to move and I'm wanting to try to get, um, a yoga practice going. So if I can get a schedule where I have some spaciousness, that's the, that's the thing that I really need a spaciousness that I can, I can, I can have a more intimate relationship with myself instead of just everything being a transaction one after the other. I, I want to be in deeper relationship with myself and those around me and my work. And, and I think we need, I think we need these natural pauses, these natural breaks, these natural bookmarks. Um, and I think these, these things are political. Um, I, call to to memory my friend who runs the nap ministry and you know she did a whole bunch of research around 
black folks and rest and and how it you know we we are actually overworking people in this country and i think this culture of being overworked um, fragments us and and causes patterns of disassociativeness that prevents us from being in connection with ourself that would then facilitate a pause right. or, or a rest break, right? right. Um, these, these manufactured 10 minute and 15 minute breaks that we get, you know, every four hours that we work or whatever um, is not a real rest. You know, resting is, I mean, and let me just, let me just give you an example because I have not been chasing an airplane for the past year and a half, my blood pressure returned to normal. And I think that is part of, even though, even though I've been very busy and I've had to produce a lot, the fact that my body has for the most part been very sedentary and not, and not chasing after an airplane, you know, the heightened blood pressure went away. And, and so I feel curious about that. I feel curious about is our work actually making us sicker than helping us be well? Yeah, I, I am with you on that. Um, rest being political is, is um, it is a, it is a really horrible trap that we have gotten ourselves into. Mm-hmm. And it is, rooted in capitalism and this need to produce and which, you know, goes back to an, an understanding of um, supremacy culture that really, you know, puts demands on people's time that is just not realistic. And yet I am curious as to how we begin to mitigate those challenges when I'm sure many of our listeners are in positions or hourly jobs or even salaried jobs where mm-hmm. they're, they're, the dollar is based on their production mm-hmm. and they are not a part of a, a, a corporate or a nonprofit or an independent structure that appreciates and acknowledges rest as a necessary part of the day. Um, You know, it's, it's, there may be some, uh, and I, and I, I, I say this because I think that um, it's important that we name the curiosities that people may have, you know, you and I are both um, are both people who work from home. Um, we both largely make our own schedules. Um, there are times where we have to, you know, capitulate to other schedules, but we aren't being told by someone that we work for um, how we are to spend our days. Right. Now, I have a, I have a, a piece of my, my day is spent actually working for an organization. So it's not, that's not a wholly factual statement for, for me, but for the most part, I, my day can look like whatever I need my day to look like. Um, yeah. There are many who, who, who aren't 
or don't find themselves in that space. And so I'm curious two things. One, how do we begin to harness our need for rest and recognize the 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 rightness of rest in our day to day when our schedules may not allow for that based on the demands other people have placed on our time or and how do we begin to systemically thwart those expectations in our own workplaces so that the the organizations that we work for can have a new imagination around what rest and um and 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 the the, the needs around that as a as a benefit to the work that they're trying to do in the world um it's it, because it's hard right it's hard to it's yeah. hard to have conversations like this, you and I. I mean, there are elements of privilege that we bring to this very specific conversation because of the luxuries we have around maintaining our own schedules. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I went out to lunch with um, a colleague, friend of mine, who's a social media expert and kind of been consulting me on a few things. And we met for lunch on Saturday at the butcher shop. It was a beautiful day. This was before we went to the der- to the derby party. And she said to me, I have so many friends who have quit and left their jobs because they sort of woke up in the past year and a half and realized what an abusive relationship they were in. And I find that very interesting that it took a global health pandemic to bring people to an awareness. But, or Anne, I think that we're in a moment of culture shift. And I think we need to continue having these conversations. I mean, one of the things that, you know, I am hopeful that the Activist Theology Project can have is that, you know, one month, uh, one day a month, each of us can have a rotating, just take a complete day off to where we don't have, we don't have to do anything for the project and we can just be. And, and I think we need a culture like that because if we are going to be iterative and emergent and generative and imaginative and innovative, we need spaciousness and right now, corporate culture, there is no spaciousness. And so um, I think we need to continue having these conversations. And, and more than just, uh, you know, before I got, get on a plane and, and leave for a month, we, we need to engineer in, in, in this American culture the importance of rest and the political nature of rest and why – it's so valuable. I mean, I, I read a, I read an article yesterday about, uh, I think it's gravity. I can't remember the full ta- full name, but it's the CEO who gave um, seventy thousand to every employee right. and reduced his reduced his wages. And there's a lot of value in that. And 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 he saw. Um, not just the business grow, but the whole culture shift. 
And I think we need more things like that. Uh, and, and it doesn't have to revolve or evolve around money, though often money is involved. Right. Just, d- just due to the nature of corporate culture. Right. But it, it's, this is a culture shift question. And, and I think that if we, if we are serious about social healing, it's not just about eradicating poverty and supremacy culture, but it is asking people and inviting people into a different orientation to life. Yes. I, I, I would love for it to be so I am, I am, I remain curious as to how I, uh, what, what aspects of my day should, you know, should change and, and how I should be, um, you know, allowing myself the spaciousness night that I need. You know, I also recognize that I am, you know, I am someone who runs, you know, I, I run a small business. I, I, um, assist with the activist theology project. I have a, you know, a side, um, gig with a progressive church organization. Um, and I'm trying to finish a master's degree. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the, the demands on my time are exorbitant. Mm-hmm. A- and I am, um, I do a pretty good job at managing, but I also really, you know, would like to be, to be rid of, um, of, of some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what, I don't know how my imagination would shift if I had more space to, um, to really kind of be with that and to sit with the, the possibility. Um, I also, I, I know I don't, you know, time alone or time, time spent without kind of a, a, a something to achieve, for me is it has never been something that that has interested me um and so i'm i i'm curious about my capacity to um use rest as resistance as the net ministry says and also to continue to untangle this this stuff that i that i bring to you know, mm-hmm. the conversation around my need to produce and my need to be, you know, engaged in work um, and how that ties back to my worth and, and, and how others see me. I'll never forget when I started getting real serious about my siesta about, I don't know, 12 years ago or so, all throughout my, my PhD program, I, you know, I took an hour, two hour siesta. And people were like, how can you be so productive? I'm like, well, I'm resting every day. And I, and I, you know, and it, and like, we are no good if we are binge writing or binge reading. Right. But I could say, okay, I'm going to work from 8 a.m. until 2. I'll take a break in there for breakfast and lunch. And then at 2, I'm going to shut everything down and rest my body and mind and eyes and then I get back up at three thirty or four and start it again before I cook dinner, and and it changed my entire world when I when I really began um, doing life around the bookmarks, you know, and where the bookmarks were like these these rest moments or, or the siesta, and 
And, you know, I wrote 45,500 words last year. And I don't know how I did that with everything else I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's because I maintain a siesta schedule. And I think this is just an elongated time for me to really resist the bullshit and, and rest. Yeah. I love that. Um, I want to read something that um, Trisha Hersey, who is the um, founder of the NAP ministry um, has recently said, and and I want to read this for those who are um, not like you, Robin, um, that don't have or, or haven't imagined kind of how they allow themselves the spaciousness to rest and, and be very intentional about it. Um, and Trisha comes at this in an indicting way around those who want us to not rest, mm-hmm. um, those who would have us not be um able to carry on with the kind of energy and vigor that is necessary to do the work in the world. And she says, I believe that the powers to be don't want us rested Mm -hmm. because they know that if folks rest enough, they're going to figure it all out and overturn them and the entire system. They want to keep them numb, keep them zombies, keep them on the clock, continue to degrade their divinity Because once they know they're divine, they will not deal with a lot of this shit. When I say sleep helps you wake up, it helps you wake up to the fact of who the fuck you are. And they don't want us to know that. Mm. Now, they means different things for many of us. They right. um, is a is a construct that you will you know figure out for yourself, listeners, um, who that they are in your lives. For many years, they was you know my father, um, who <laughs> you know was really um, really uh, tried to instill in me what he believed to be the work ethic I needed in order to be successful. Um, right. Do I find value in? what I was taught by him in some ways. Yes. Um, Because the, the challenges that I've been able to leave myself from that, that I've been able to walk away from as it relates to that um, kind of work ethic regiment thing has actually provided me with the skills that I need to move into this new space of, figuring it all out and being able to work with a to-do list and really kind of, you know, manage my day in a way that doesn't make it feel overwhelming. Right. There, there are skills that were developed through the, the bullshit that was constructed around my need for productivity when I was a, a young person. Um, but we have, we have constructed this, this country was built on the backs of the labor of others And those that were using the labor of others were finding ways to rest. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, In most and many cases, those that were doing the labor um, were resting in the evening in the same way that many of us rest after many hours of 
labor in whatever form that looks like for us. Um, We should not be people who only permit rest to occur to those with privilege and power. Mm. And that's what we've, that's what we've done. That's what we've allowed to continue and allowed to permeate. And when we talk about all of these systems that, that were set up the way they were intended and are working the way they were intended and have been doing so for two, three, four hundred years, this is the same kind of system. This system was set up to prop up those who had power and privilege and afford them the capacity to be um, innovative and creative and to do so because they had the spaciousness to dream because they had they were they were leaning on the backs of others to make their money for them. None of that has changed. And so how do we how do we like see ourselves into that reimagining and and Mm -hmm. the thwarting of that system in a way that that's holistic and that feels um, attainable for us so that as um, as the NAP ministry says, we will wake up to the fact of who the fuck we are. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that question. It's also, you know, Saturday, May 1st was May day, which is sort of a historic day to not only celebrate spring, but also celebrate workers uh, it was also the feast of uh, St. Joseph, the worker. Yeah. And so we we do need to have these conversations um, around what does it mean to work in this country? What does that look like? What is a culture of work? Not what is a culture of productivity and production, but what is a culture of work? And how do we create a culture of work that is engineered with an ethic of care? Because if you're not also asking that care question and an ethical question around what does it mean to work, then we will just continue in this rat race of late stage capitalism, supply, demand, produce, scarcity, and and never be able to experience the abundance that rest can bring you. I mean, we've got work to do. This is this is not going to go down without a fight. Well, yeah, it, it isn't, and and I and I remain um, cognizant of the struggles that others might hear in listening to this conversation and wondering, like, how the heck, like, how the heck do I make that space for myself? Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't have the time, or I just don't work in a place where that kind of rest will ever be afforded me. Um, and, and I, and I get that. I like, I, I, <laughs> I understand it. And I also, um, as you have said, I mean, I think we are compelled to figure out how we, um, you know, thwart those systems and how we reimagine. And in some cases, how we, you know, do like your, your social media manager friend said, and, and leave the problematic um, system or problematic jobs and, and power based work environments that, that are doing us more harm than they are doing us good. Those are hard questions. They're, 
they're hard questions for all of us, especially considering those of us that, you know, those of you out there in the world who are, you know, working below a living wage and don't have the capacity to, um, to necessarily leave the space that you're in right now. Um, yeah. my, my heart is with you in this conversation because I, I understand it and I, I get it. And I, I wish I had an answer. Hmm. No, no easy answers. No easy answers. Well, Dr. Robin, when we rejoin everyone again next week, you will be, uh, right in the heart of that amazing sabbatical. Um, I will have returned from my first, uh, vacation since, uh, COVID hit, and we're going to have all kinds of great stories to tell folks, yep. um, when we gather next week, um, we are really thrilled um, that you're with us on this journey. We're excited that you've um, been able to to stick with this conversation and um, to really reimagine with us the possibility around what rest could mean for you, um, how it could be revolutionary, and how it could possibly um, allow you the spaciousness you need to dream the dreams that are pent up within you. Mm. Um, continue to follow us at activist theology, send us notes, send us messages. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you want to hear us talk about. And until next week, Dr. Robin, it's time to get free. Are you looking to connect the dots between what you think and how you live? Are you looking for a more robust way to be in solidarity with the movement? Are you looking to get your hands dirty with the work of social justice? Join Dr. Robin and Reverend Anna Galladay each week as they share, reflect, and analyze on pressing social concerns. Want to help support this podcast? Go to activisttheology.kindful.com and click on podcast. And remember, activist and theology share a T. The music you hear in this episode is Hands Dirty by our friends Delta Ray. Our sound editor and engineer is Dan Medley from 10 South Sounds. <laughs>